Podcast. Podcast with coffee about dogs and cats. Guys, it's episode 28. 28! We made it. We did. We're at more than half a year of recording, which is exciting. This project started during the COVID-19 pandemic and shut down as a way to try and communicate with our community through different avenues of people who are stuck at home or wanting something to do while they're waiting in the click list drive through line to pick up their groceries and stay connected to the shelters. So now we've made it 28 weeks. So yeah. we'll likely continue post-pandemic. Yeah, I think we'll keep going. It's been super fun. We get to learn all kinds of fun things about our coworkers and the jobs that they do. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that again today. Yeah, we are. We're going to, we have a very interesting person to interview you guys today because she probably has one of the most interesting jobs here at the shelter. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of nosy questions and we're really grateful to Rachel. I, um, for Rachel, you have to tell us your last yeah, name. Yeah, we don't know it. This is always a debate up here in the admin offices. Right? No, we know it starts my, with a C. It does start with a C. My name is Rachel Coover, and I am the medical center coordinator for the Wonderful. Helping Hands Vet Clinic. Yay. Wonderful. And you do just an unreasonable amount of tasks. Really. I, I, I do a few things. <laughs> yeah. you do, so, like, I don't think we have any idea, the like, the depth of your job, other than sometimes you bring us weird cats that need help. I, I bring um, you a lot of weird cats. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's alright. That's alright. We love That's them. my favorite part and, of the job right yeah. there. Yeah, and you pick them up when they're ready to get spayed or neutered, and then mm-hmm. you bring them back to us all drugged up. And, <laughs> and sometimes she comes by with a scale to weigh them, but mm-hmm. she does a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Rachel, can you, I know we'll get a little bit into depth with it, but I guess let's just start at the beginning. How did you end up in animal welfare? What led you to this particular job in this particular industry? My my very first job, I, I started when I was 14. I was a kennel tech at Gage Animal Hospital, so that was really my, my introduction into the, the veterinary line of work, and I, I loved that job. I worked there all through high school. Afterwards, when I was a bit older, I worked at the Emergency Animal Clinic in Topeka, did a lot of nights and weekends and holidays. I met Dr. Grace, our veterinarian at that job, and she is the one who told me about the shelter opening up a vet clinic here, and I've been here ever since. So she recruited you. She did recruit me. I don't yep. think I knew that. I, yep. did, I don't know if I did either. And you're OG, like, since the our vet clinic She opened. is the OG. And she was handpicked by Dr. Grace. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, interesting. Impressive. And also interesting that you were a kennel tech at the age of 14. I think now yeah. mm-hmm. we hire at 18, is that right? Yes. Um, here at our shelter. I think so. But that's mm-hmm. very cool that you got to start it out early. Yep. Okay, what's your favorite part of your job? There is nothing better than sitting at my desk and knowing that no more than 10 feet away, there's always a cat nearby me. <laughs> I, I'm a total cat person, to just so just to be surrounded by, by cats all day, you can't can't think of a better working environment than that. Same. Agree. Yeah, yeah same. Agree. I feel like if I don't, and I think I've told you this before, Rachel, if I don't have a cat in my office, my productivity level is pretty low. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, you feel like you're not, yeah, you need, you need a little fuzzy motivator there with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they help. Sometimes they hinder a little, but usually they help. Yes, they do. So aside from getting to hang out near cats, we know that you mm-hmm. are very, very busy doing lots of things, which we already talked about, but will you kind of go through your day-to-day activities with us? Yeah, yeah, no problem. I come in, and the first thing I do is check on the surgery animals from the day before, um, making sure their incision sites are healing well, that they're they're up and active and ready to be moved up for adoption. After that, I will make sure the sedation is ready for the surgery animals we're doing that current day. We'll jump into surgeries from there, do our surgeries in the morning from about 8.30 to 
uh, 11 to 12. Um, we'll do vaccines on the animals. We will do health check things. Dr. Grace runs around and does exams every day. We'll bring us a list and we implement, implement her plans for the animals. We're moving them around. We weigh surgery animals for the next day. There's just a lot of little just a lot of little details we try to manage each day. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I know you say you um, you get, like, the sedation ready for surgery. What does that mm-hmm. look like? Do you, like, you have the animals wait, and then you have, like, a corresponding anesthesia? Do you set them up on the anesthesia? Do you, like, prepare syringes? How does that, what does that I look like? I do, yes. To sedate our animals, we use a combination of three drugs. That is placed into a syringe, and we inject it into the muscle of all the animals we want to sedate. Depending on the animal's metabolism, it'll take them you know, 30 seconds to five minutes to go to go to sleep, and then they're ready to do do what we need to do to get them ready for surgery. Are you like Are you monitoring vitals during that? Is that something like are you? You must be a big multitasker, is what I'm gathering from this. We we do a lot while they're sedated. We're microchipping them. We're drawing blood. We're trimming nails. We're doing all the little things that would really stress out an animal while they're awake so if we can do it while they're not aware of what's going on we we love to cram that stuff in while they're not sure what's going on we we keep an eye on their their temperatures their breathing their heart rate we dr grace is so fast we don't get a lot of time to really monitor them while they're asleep she's she's done five to ten minutes she's very very quick with her surgeries doesn't give us a lot of a lot of opportunity to really (laughs) monitor there She's well, that's efficient. good for good for us as a shelter because she can make Absolutely. it through them quickly. But I, yeah, yes. I imagine you are your mornings pretty uh, fast paced. Are you a big Very coffee fast drinker? Paced. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge coffee drinker. Yep. Yeah, I could see how that would need to be the case. I could see that. Wow, wow. So there's a lot in your mornings. Do you have like when you get your surgery list and you're trying to prep them and whatnot? And I know you mentioned having a health checklist. Do you run those like in Shelter Buddy? Do you have or do you have like a, a different yes. system? We we use Shelter Buddy pretty much for all of our almost all of our record keeping. Yeah, I have those lists pretty much constantly pulled up on my computer, keeping an eye on those. Wow. I'm guessing those are some kind. Those are probably vet reports that I do not have access to in Shelter Buddy would be my guess. Because I was like, wow, this is interesting. Why, why am I so nosy being like, I want to go snoop on it. Who's on tomorrow's, you know, et cetera list. But that's funny. I can definitely pull up the list and show you how to look at it anytime if you want. Wow, that's very generous of you, allowing me to be super nosy about vet stuff. <laughs> I told Dr. Grace if I was in a different life and independently wealthy and not squeamish at all, I would love to, like, I my dream job would be to be you guys' kennel tech. That would be my, my dream job. That Are you would... squeamish? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, not so much with animals, but definitely with humans. I don't mm-hmm. like seeing blood. But somehow, honestly, Rachel, after having Taffy in our office and how disgusting she was, Emmy's making mm-hmm. a bomb face back here. Yeah, I just um, remember when her, most of her tail Yeah, when fell her tail just fell off yep. on the floor. Uh, I got a lot less squeamish about animals. <laughs> I got very much, it was much cooler, but yeah, when we shadowed the, we, Emmy and I shadowed a spay and neuter last spring to get, to film it, and I remember having to step out a few times on the spay. I was like, nah, no thanks. <laughs> so I'm you are a trooper. I'm just averting my eyes when I think it's going to be too gross. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things that are gross, but if I wasn't squeamish, I would love to just be your part-time kennel tech and have you tell me what to do all day. I think oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> and I bet a lot of people who listen to this podcast, that would be their dream job, or when they were little being a vet or working mm-hmm. in medical care for animals was a dream job. So I think this will be really interesting 
insight for everybody. Yeah. Like, it was interesting. I told Rachel if I ever royally mess up in marketing or fundraising, but she doesn't want to, like, get rid of me entirely, but she needs me to not <laughs> work in my position, just, like, make me be a vet kennel tech. Yeah. Because I, that's actually where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and right before you came to start recording this episode with us, you were helping with an ad- an adoption appointment or an adopter's uh, medical appointment. And that's yes. one of our questions is about scheduling those appointments uh-huh. and what type of medical support at Helping Hands do we offer to people post-adoption? Yes, we, we do offer kind of a limited service for adopted animals. We're willing to see any animal who's been adopted um, within seven days of that adoption date for what we consider to be shelter-related issues. Those are usually respiratory tract infections, issues with the, the spay and neuter incision site, other, other things we kind of take on a case-by-case basis. We see a couple of those appointments, maybe 20 to 30 a month or so. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice service we offer to our, to our adopters. That is a nice service. When I was back there just a couple weeks ago, you got a call, and I was catching the one-sided conversation, and Rachel was so nice, and she said, yep, I know exactly what that is. It sounds like a roundworm. Why don't you come on in? <laughs> Those like, are my favorite calls when I know exactly what's going on. Those are few and far between. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was, you're like, well, Dr. Grace could see you this afternoon, and I was kind of, like, granted to myself, I'm like, Rachel just very, does, she, you don't even mind. It's a roundworm. Just, it's a very normal part of your day, I'm sure. Yeah, she's, and I got to kind of walk through the process a little bit with a friend of mine adopted a little chihuahua and then she had some kind of issue. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what it is now. Maybe it was with her spay incision. And so I kind of walked with him. He, he came in the front door, so I walked around to intake with him and sat there while Dr. Grace came up and she was the nicest as could be. And it's a service we weren't able to offer before because we didn't have a vet on staff. We didn't have a medical center. So it is a very nice, even though it's limited and it has to be limited because you all are so busy with so many other shelter animal related things. Mm-hmm. I think it's really awesome that we can at least offer a little bit of support to people who've adopted if it's, you know, absolutely something yeah. Yeah, we can help with. And you do the scheduling for that. Is that right, Rachel? I do. Yeah, I do a lot of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. In addition to your regular mm-hmm. duties. It, it's, it's, yeah, challenging. I, I miss a lot of phone calls. I do try to check my messages throughout the day, but it's, it's difficult. We don't have a dedicated receptionist on our staff. So, mm-hmm. 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 I could see how that would be challenging. And I, could, I now understand why you are such a coffee drinker, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which we support. That's why we called this podcast Poffee Podcast because mm-hmm. we're trying to I love it. Pause and coffee, mm-hmm. <laughs> our two favorite things. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have a few. Sorry, I'm going to rewind a little bit because I want to know: Do you ever yeah. get squeamish? And did you ever get squeamish? I- I have never been a super squeamish person. The one thing that will get to me is eye injuries. I, yeah. not not my thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can see but that. other stuff, no. I'm Do you think it's just because you've squeamish. been doing it since you were 14 and been around animals so much? I think that probably has a bit to do with it. Yeah, just being exposed to <laughs> some, some pretty gory wounds at a young age. Yeah. Okay, so... We were just discussing surgery and surgery processes, and I know that you do a lot of, like, the prep and, I'm guessing, weigh them, you sedate them, microchip them, trim their nails, etc. When they're getting ready to go into the operating room, I know you guys move pretty fast. What kind of, like, prep, do you you have to shave them? Do you do, do you do the, it sounds like Dr. Grace did the tattoo, but, like, pre-surgery and getting them on the table and set up for surgery, what happens there that you do? 
We, we do a ton of stuff. Every animal gets their eyes lubricated. Animals don't blink while they're sedated. Keeps their eyes from drying out. Eyes, nails, if they're due for vaccines, we'll pop those in, draw blood on the cats for their leukemia tests at that point. We'll shave the area that we're doing surgery on, whether that's a spay, you'll see a kind of a rectangle on the stomach or a neuter, we'll, we'll shave the scrotum there. Uh, we'll also scrub it and then rinse the, the soap off with alcohol so it's nice and clean. We will carry that animal out onto the surgery table without touching our nice, clean, sterile surgery like the zone. builder. Yeah, skin sorry. zone. No, that's <laughs> right. Skin zone. Yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, and as soon as we put an animal on the table, we're pretty much immediately going to grab the next one to sedate and start that whole process all over again. So we're just kind of constantly moving through and it's a a little bit like an assembly line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it in there and I've seen it when you're like pulling them off the table. You'll come in with, grab the towel, walk them off and sometimes I'll see Lacey walk in with another another cat. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, so what you're saying is next time we advertise for a vet assistant job, we should include scrotum shaver as job Yeah, job, job <laughs> other duties as assigned, scrotum that shaver. That is a, a part of the job. It's a big part of the job, yeah. Uh, Grace, <laughs> in passing, mentioned tattoos, and some of our listeners may not know mm-hmm. that we tattoo animals or why we tattoo animals. Do you want we to explain do. that briefly? Yes. If my, when you adopt an animal from us that's been spayed or neutered by us, you might see a tiny green line near their incision site. That green line um, lets people know, hey, my animal is not going to have babies. If your animal were to get out and go into another shelter and they saw that green tattoo there, they would know not to sedate your animal unnecessarily, go in. It, it prevents unnecessary surgeries in the future. Hmm. I was going to say, I bet we've seen a lot of maybe even animals that we've spayed or neutered come back in or that other places have and appreciate seeing those tattoos. Absolutely. We, we always appreciate animals coming in with tattoos. So what kind of ink do they get tattooed with? Do you order that like through the red, regular medical supply companies that you use? I do. It's um, cattle tattoo ink that I, I put in a smaller syringe, and we, we use that. Huh? Very cost-effective. So this leads me to another question, because you also do all of the purchasing and ordering of, like, medical and kennel supplies and things like that for... I do. I I manage the inventory. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. In addition to everything else. God. That's the theme of this podcast. Yeah, the theme of this podcast is... We're all losers compared to what Rachel does. Oh, <laughs> no, you guys, you guys do so much. Oh, man. So you order things like those little plastic vaccine scooter pusher. What are those called? <laughs> They're like little teeny. Papa has one sitting here right now. It says... Syringe, 0.1 milliliters. In Is that also a one syringe? mil syringe? Yes, okay. that's a syringe. I I order all all our medications, stuff like gloves, cleaning supplies, leashes, all, all our vaccines. I also order our prescription food, surgery supplies. I contact people to come repair some of our stuff when it breaks down. I, I do a lot of kind of office administrative tasks like that as well. Wow. Yeah, and I'm guessing, so, you know, I don't have a Covetris account, which I don't. That is a whole other territory of not, I don't understand any of what I'm looking at. Sometimes, you know, when I come down there, I'm like, what's a surgical kit? What's this that Dr. Uh-huh. Grace needs? But you guys access that and look at all that. How do you pick? How do you pick which, like, I'm just really grateful. And she's like, this is exactly what I want, this thing right here. How do you guys select based on, you know, such if, a variety? If we're ordering something new that we haven't ordered in the past, I'm running my stuff, running 
getting stopped by Dr. Grace all the time. I don't want to, you know, we have limited resources here. I don't want to just waste our money. So I will kind of bring her options so I'm not interrupting her day too much. Like, which one do you prefer? Saves us time, saves us money. I know we're getting exactly what we need when we need it. I, I ask Dr. Grace a lot of questions. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Just some of the other stuff, the standard stuff that we order a lot of, like you said, the leashes and prescription food, that mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Do you just have like a running account that you just basically, I mean, that you would maintain and re, just reorder the same stuff? I wait for us to run run low on it before mm-hmm. before I order it. But yeah, once a week or so, I try to go through and look at, see what we're running low on, what I need to order. There are, yeah, that's kind of just an, an ongoing task. Our next question is about vet checks. We All mm-hmm. we know of them is that we put a lot of them in and try to give as much description as possible. <laughs> and Dr. Grace we usually makes fun of a vet check. <laughs> yes. Good. We don't know any of the medical terms, but we use the language that we Yeah, we're we like, I don't know what this fancy word is they're going to call it is, but I'm calling it red barf. Yep. <laughs> you, you do great. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, you guys get tons of those every day. For we do. For animals yes. in the shelter. So will you tell us just a little bit about what that process is like? Yeah, on your end. Yeah. Yeah. We pull up our, our list of vet checks. These are a list of kind of animals who are off their stray hold, animals who have finished a round of medication, animals that staff or volunteers have seen and think, ooh, our, our medical center should really look at these animals. So that kind of comes together on a list. And Dr. Grace will go around to each of those animals each day and take a look at them. She'll write down what, what she thinks is going on and what her, her plan for those animals are. And then our job back in the vet clinic is to kind of implement her her vision after that, do everything she's, she's asking for these animals. A lot of that is record keeping, entering all, all of her notes, making sure it's accurate, that their medications are in there. We're we're moving animals around based on where they need to be. We're doing treatments based on what Dr. Grace is is saying that they need at the time. There are a lot of little little details that go into it that we need to make sure we're we're pretty much always on top of. That in itself just sounds overwhelming to me. Just knowing how many animals we have. Yeah. Yeah, after you've already done surgeries and you've done microchips and vaccines and supply ordering and then scheduled all your adoption phone calls, (laughs) and then you still have to go do vet checks before y'all can leave? We we also do, we update the vaccines on the animals in the building, and we do medications twice a day for our sick animals. Wow. Wild. That is wild. And that's that's not just me. We have Lacey, a full-time vet assistant here, who does a wonderful job and is a big help. That's good. awesome. And you guys have Bruce, who's the cat. We do. We like, love Bruce. The cat guru. He's the cat daddy he around here. <laughs> he is. He's our Jackson Galaxy. Yes, he is. He's funny. I went back there earlier. I was telling Dr. Grace that I went back there to bring you your shirt yesterday. And mm-hmm. Bruce had that, like, little tortoise shell calico girl. The little Rosalina. Ch- yes. yes. And she's so chubby. And she was just happily jumping around the floor. And he was like, pick her up. She's like a plush animal. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she really is. <laughs> he knows his cats. I, I'm really lucky to work with a team of people who not only like their jobs, but, you know, they're just, they're really good people who, who put, put their heart into it. Um, oh, I'm really lucky to work with the people that I do. Oh, I feel the same way at the shelter. <laughs> it's a great place to be. Mm-hmm. You know people want to be here Yeah, they work here. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, Rachel, what are some fun facts you've learned since being here? What's some, like, weird stuff that you know? 
No, the the thing that sticks out to me more than anything, this isn't a super fun fact, um, but I worked at the the emergency clinic before I came here, and it seemed like once or twice a week we'd always have what we call a blocked tomcat, a tomcat who's not able to urinate because of urinary crystals. And so I was, you know, I I did that for three years. I was under the impression that this is a super common thing that happens to animals all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I started at the shelter, every male cat I'm, I'm watching, are you urinating? Are you are you using your litter box? Are you blocked? Because I think this is such a common thing. Mm-hmm. So to find out that that's really just an emergency that doesn't happen all the time has been kind of an interesting thing to learn. Yeah, yeah I what, can see that because when you're working in an emergency, like emergency clinic for publicly owned animals, people are only going to come see you when their pet something's with wrong with their pet. Go figure. Yeah. yeah, and then here at the shelter, we would see so many strays that nothing may be medically wrong with them. They just got out of their house, so you're. Uh-huh. Variance. It, it, it's a change in mindset. Yeah, where you, you think everything's an emergency, and yeah, I could see that. How did you know just over talking to someone on the phone that their pet had roundworms? How do you tell the difference in different worms? There are two types of worms that are visible to the naked eye, um, you know, without a microscope. Mm-hmm. Those are roundworms or tapeworms. Tapeworms look like little little grains of rice. Roundworms are longer, like spaghetti noodles. So when that adopter called and mentioned that they were really long. I, I suspected roundworms. Barf. Uh, yeah. I saw one of those in intake one time. Someone was like holding it up. I think maybe Pretty a cool, cat right? had just yeah, got yeah. brought in. It did look like a noodle. Ooh, it does. It was like gross, but not gross, but gross because you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's gross. Yeah, Crow one time barfed and it looked like those like thin Asian noodles. What are those called? The vermicelli. Mm-hmm. And they were like yeah. squiggling and moving on the floor in her barf. And I was like, this is a gross worm. So gross. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because you would think, I would think a tapeworm might be longer, like a piece of tape. Mm-hmm. Tapeworms are, worm. yeah, the, the little like grains of rice thing, they're part of like a tapeworm segment. So oh, they, they kind okay. of break really apart like there too. Gotcha. Yeah. And I've definitely seen that in some food yep. before. Um, and, See, now my like stomach is turning. This turning. is so funny. Oh, no, we wish it. No, it's okay. It's Don't okay. Eat any, good thing you already ate your cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs> Since you mentioned microscopes, do you get to use the microscope mm-hmm. much? We do. We use the microscope almost every every day. Mm-hmm. Every time we check a fecal sample for parasites, we're using the microscope. If we're looking for ear mites on a cat, we'll put that on the microscope. Heartworms in dogs, if we want to confirm a test we've run, we'll put a little drop of blood on the microscope. Yeah, we get a lot of use out of our microscope. Do you so prep cool. those slides for Dr. Grace? I do sometimes. Sometimes she beats me to it. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay, this is a nosy question that just got me coming back around. I'm sorry, I should have asked it at the beginning. And I'm asking this more for listeners out there who are now probably very interested in your job and might want to do something like this themselves. Mm -hmm. Does your job, did it require any type of, like, did you go to college? Did you take classes? Or was your job primarily learning from experience? I... Uh, I did not go to college. Everything I've learned has been throughout my various jobs. I've been lucky to have a lot of really good vets teach me a lot of information. To to people out there who are interested in pursuing this kind of kind of line of work, um, it, it is totally possible if you can get your foot in the door somewhere to, to learn from there. People who are interested in becoming uh, like a registered veterinary technician, that is a, a two-year degree. I know there's Maple Woods Community College in Kansas City is probably the closest one that would offer those those classes there. That school would be going to to K State in Manhattan. 
Gotcha. Thank you huh? for answering that. Yeah, of course. Do you have, based on all the work that you pack into a day, do you have any tips just on working efficiently, working quickly? Like, how do you get everything done? In your I have a lot of pockets. <laughs> I've got a lot of pockets on my scrubs. And I, I map out almost every single trip. You know, this is a really big building. Yeah. So if I'm coming up here and I have to clean a cat's ears, I'll have ear cleaner and Q-tips in my pocket. Um, I might also carry a scale if I've got to weigh someone on my way back. I'll make sure to pick up any donations while I'm kind of up at the front half of the building while I'm here. It's it's multitasking like that and taking just two or three minutes to stop and kind of plan your trips before you take them uh, saves you a lot of time. Um, I've never heard more pockets. Yeah, more pockets. More tip, pockets. But that's yeah, a great Highly one. recommend. Wow. That is a good one. Mm-hmm. And you and Dr. Grace stay in really close communication, I know. like We do. That you yeah. like text and message and if you're in different parts of the building to be able to mm-hmm. kind of stay in touch basically your whole shift if you need to. Yep. Yep, we, we talk pretty much all day. Well, that's or I, I probably bother her with questions most of the day. <laughs> then it's helpful you guys get along so well and that she recruited you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love working with Dr. Grace. She's great. She's a wonderful human. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Do you have any favorite animals from your time here? There are so many. I, I adopted a cat about a year ago. He He came into the shelter when he was about three-ish weeks old, and he's had an upper respiratory tract infection pretty much his entire life. So we we spent a good six or seven months in the shelter trying to do our best to get that under control, Um, and and finally said, you know, I just, I'm going to take him home. He'll just be my my sneezy little little cat. Um, So I I love the kind of like mild, chronic, not not serious issues, but but special cats. I, I love a good good snorty animal a good <laughs> snorty animal good snorty animal yep uh-huh, uh-huh. how many cats do you have rachel i have four cats and i i think my my limit should probably be three i think <laughs> people learn their limit by going one one yeah. cat over yeah uh-huh. um four cats and i'm at my limit i'm over my limit my limit should have been two but i couldn't not <laughs> like take rachel said you learn it once you get one by going now, one over yep. yeah and they i mean no that was gonna sound bad i was gonna say thankfully two of them are seniors so it's not a, have three cats yeah forever. I'm not gonna have three cats for like the next 15 the next years 15. yeah and Jack is one of your cats right Jack is one of my cats okay. yes um when did you officially adopt him oh uh January I think is when it was put into the computer but I took him home during the start of the covid shutdowns yeah like uh, we pandemic, we gosh. limited our hours in the vet clinic and he's such Anyone who's spent Jack knows that he's such a social cat. He's yes. very outgoing. He wants to be the center of attention. I didn't think he would do well being kind of isolated yeah. like that. So Jack quarantined with me at home. Were you fostering him technically for uh, Technically, time? yeah. Um, I, I kind of tell people jokingly that I was just stealing Jack. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, funny, yeah. No one yeah. to blame, yeah. And he, uh, he was happy in the shelter. He was never never unhappy there but he really thrives in a in a home setting with kind of a routine and a consistent Aww. group of friends and yeah um, I, I've, I've I, I just been wondering what what he's like in a house he's a lot different he's he's a lap cat he's if you remember Jack at the shelter he hated closed doors he wants mm-hmm. in every room he wants to constantly explore he's calmed down a lot Aww. a lot in my home that's He's, awesome. That's and really for crazy. everyone listening, yeah, Jack was a sanctuary cat for a while. Do you know uh-huh. when he first came here, Rachel? 2015, I think. It's been a while. Yeah, like, he was here for a good couple years. Yes, yeah. and he is 
a very nice boy, and like you said here, he was a very curious, exploratory boy. He was. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm glad to hear that he's he's doing well with domestic life, and he's settled he, down he a is. bit. Does yep. he still he, like to go? Does he like to go outside? I know you mentioned you have a catio. I do have a catio, and that is his favorite spot in the house, even in this awful cold weather he's still at the door crying to go out he changes his mind and comes back in really quickly but he's (laughs) he is all about the catio oh my gosh Uh that's wonderful so have all of your kitties been ones that you met in the vet clinic and then just couldn't part with um almost all of my animals i have gotten through jobs i've had Uh, my my very my oldest cat just showed up on my doorstep one day she's the the exception to that two were shelter cats one was a cat that i i got while working at the emergency animal clinic nice and you had a cat that had a degloved tail that was really gross too Cheesecake. I fostered him for a while. Uh, a family friend of mine adopted him. Yeah. I almost mentioned that at one time Jack had a best buddy named Cheesecake who would open the doors for him and let that, him into different areas. Yep. <laughs> That's really sweet. I remember that because we've talked a little bit about Taffy on the podcast. We haven't done a Taffy story of the examples of some of the stuff that you know our amazing medical center can do. But I remember coming to you a lot and being like, is this normal? You had a degloved tail. And you're like, totally normal. Totally normal. Gross and normal. <laughs> gross it looks normal. gross, it's probably doing what it's supposed to yep, do. Yep, and you're like, if it's bleeding all the time, probably normal. <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> yep. So we made that it through. going to come up and fall off. And well, I was really grateful you'd been through that before. And I feel like most of the mm-hmm. things that we encounter here were like, well... Rachel's probably experienced it at some point, so pretty good <laughs> being like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any clinic kitties right now that you're particularly fond of? Oh, I'm I'm fond of all of them. We don't have any specific like office cats right now. We have our long residents that we kind of let out to run. Rocky, he he's a cat who came in with a pretty badly broken jaw. Dr. Grace was able to kind of wire that shut. Uh, he was the first animal we've ever been able to do something like that for. So that's, it's always really cool when we kind of like add a new new skill to what we're able to provide for those animals. Uh, so Rocky's been with us for quite a while. We're, we're working on getting him into a home right now. We don't have any one dedicated office cat. We like to let our, our long long-term residents kind of come out and stretch their legs. Oh, I love yes. it. I love <laughs> it. Well, very cool. Is there anything you would like listeners to know about either your job or the shelter or working with animals who are in medical need or just anything about your job, anything that we didn't cover that you'd like for people to know? Oh, I think you guys were pretty thorough. I guess I just encourage anyone who's thinking about getting into this line of work to, to get out there and volunteer if you can. That'll give you a feel of what, yeah, what we're doing, what you're, what you're worms. comfortable <laughs> handling. A lot of people don't really know if they're squeamish until they're exposed to stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, the vet clinic is hoping to start bringing volunteers back into our area here in the next year. We're, we're trying to, to get that, that program in place, so hopefully we'll have some volunteer openings in our vet clinic. I love it. It is exciting. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for being on Poppy Podcast and answering all of our questions. We're really grateful for your time. Yes, we appreciate it. Great talking to you guys. Yay. And he. Peregrine to adoption for a microchip, please. Peregrine to adoption.